0: Welcome to the third episode in a podcast series brought to you by the International Arbitration Group at Dentons. With more than 40 partners and 120 lawyers, our group is widely recognized globally, trusted by corporations, states, and high net worth individuals for their most challenging international arbitration matters. In the last episode, we looked at the approaches institutions are taking to tailor their procedures in response to the global pandemic. Today, we want to look at how some of the most urgent issues are being handled petitions for interim relief, whether before emergency arbitrators or the courts. My name is Amy Klesner. I'm co-head of the arbitration group in Germany. Today, I'm very pleased to welcome my partner, Deep Singh. Deep Singh is senior partner in our arbitration practice in Singapore. He specializes in construction, engineering, and energy arbitrations, as well as general civil and commercial litigations. Welcome. Hello, Amy. Very good. So let's get started setting the stage. We've seen emergency arbitrator proceedings um, in the institutional rules now for about 10 years. Uh, The FCC and SEAC rolled out their rules in 2010. The ICC followed in 2012. But we don't see very many emergency arbitrator proceedings. Just to kick us off, um, a simple question, what are these proceedings? What do we mean in any way by an emergency arbitrator?
1: Well, Amy, in in general terms, an emergency arbitrator is an arbitrator appointed by an arbitral institution on an urgent basis, um, specifically to deal with the area of interim relief. It may be necessary to appoint an emergency arbitrator because a party may not be able to wait for the tribunal, the main tribunal to be constituted. For example, there may be an urgent need to ensure assets are not dissipated. And if they wait for the constitution of the of the main tribunal, that may be too late. So many in, uh, of the international institutions now have this procedure where you can quickly appoint an emergency arbitrator, and that arbitrator gives you the interim relief you require um, before the actual tribunal is constituted
0: good. So why would parties choose an emergency arbitrator as opposed to going to courts for interim relief?
1: Well there are a number of reasons but I would say that one of the main reasons is confidentiality. I mean we all know that one of the main reasons why parties choose arbitration is they want confidentiality and that's the bastion of arbitration you know the mainstay of arbitration is confidentiality. So Instead of going to to the court to keep things confidential, why not take it before an emergency arbitrator? Another reason may be lack of faith in the neutrality of the courts. Parties may think that the courts are not neutral, Uh, there may be a certain element of bias, or the courts may not be so technically equipped with the technical knowledge to deal with the particular relief or the facts or issues that that are before, you know, that, that may be presented to the court. Um, another reason is, well, in arbitration-friendly jurisdictions, if you have chosen arbitration as your agreed mode of dispute resolution and there you've chosen a set of rules that allows for an emergency arbitrator, but if you go to the court, the court may say, look, why are you coming to me, right? Um, You have chosen a set of rules that allows you to appoint an emergency arbitrator. Why don't you do so? I can tell you, for example, in Singapore, the courts are very arbitration friendly. And if you were to, say, adopt the SIAC rules, but then run to the courts for interim relief, the courts may say, look, you have the emergency arbitration procedure under the SIAC rules. Why don't you make use of that? So you end up wasting time. And in that case, it may be better to just go straight an emergency arbitrator
0: coming back to where we are today in the middle of this global pandemic do you believe that the pandemic uh, will influence going forward or today our choice in terms of whether we choose to go to an emergency arbitrator or whether we take our petition for interim relief to the courts
1: let me give you an answer that lawyers always give it depends on the facts amy Right? And in this case, it depends on the country, it depends on the jurisdiction. There are certain jurisdictions that, in which the courts may not be equipped in this day and age, in these uh, uh, very difficult times, to deal with interim relief applications. They may not be technically equipped to deal with virtual hearings and physical hearings may not be possible. Now, uh, I can say for a fact that the international arbitration community and, and being a, a very active member of the community, I can say with with some element of pride that the community has always been very nimble when it comes to change. For example, the ICC and the Chartered Institute of Arbitrators came up with a protocol and, and guidelines to deal with virtual hearings about two or three months back. And, um, institutions are already making changes to their rules. For example, the SIAC is already looking at issuing a new set of rules which will cover virtual hearings, which will cover technical issues. So to answer your question, yes, I think COVID-19 has brought the emergency arbitration procedure more to the fore because courts uh, may be slower in dealing with interim relief, may be slower in adopting technology, be slower in adopting virtual hearings as compared to the various international arbitral institutions so um it has what COVID-19 has has shown has demonstrated is that the international arbitration community the international institution arbitration institutions have been able to adapt much faster to change and COVID-19 has clearly demonstrated this
0: so Say we have uh, this choice, we have both options before us, emergency arbitrator or going to the courts. You've mentioned confidentiality as being one consideration. Um, Are there other pros and cons that that a party should consider in making this choice?
1: Well, one of the main disadvantages, let me be honest here about emergency arbitration, and I think it's an issue that has been debated quite a lot in the arbitration community, is the issue of enforceability. Right? You get an award from an emergency arbitrator, partial award or, or interim relief award you get, and you need to enforce it. Right, Whatever you get is just a piece of paper. It needs to be enforced. Now, some local arbitration laws in certain countries do not expressly recognise interlocutory or partial awards by an emergency arbitrator. Whether it be a local emergency arbitrator or a foreign award, now, even if they do recognise, there may be issues in enforcing the award by a foreign emergency arbitrator. Now, in Singapore, for example, our rules, our SIAC rules, our uh, and our local laws, our International Arbitration Act recognise um, decisions given by an emergency arbitrator, but that may not be the case in other jurisdictions. So, for example, if there are assets in a particular jurisdiction that you want to freeze. You have to ensure that any decision of the emergency arbitrator will be recognized by the courts in that jurisdiction. Otherwise, it's just a piece of paper, it's useless. It may be better off for you to take your chances in the local courts where the assets are located. So that's one possible disadvantage of emergency arbitration. Now, another disadvantage may be ex parte relief. We know that in courts, sometimes, when it's particularly urgent and where there is a need not to inform the other party, otherwise they may the the effect of the interim relief may be may be gone. Um, you can apply for an ex parte hearing. Now that is not usually available in emergency arbitration, so that's another disadvantage. But having said that, there are of course advantages. Although there's no right of appeal. If you get a decision of an emergency arbitrator, there's no right of appeal, but you can still take that decision before the tribunal, the main tribunal, once it's constituted, right? So, some people may say emergency arbitration doesn't have a right of appeal, but I, I would tend to disagree because that relief that the emergency arbitrator grants you, you can take it before the main tribunal, and that tribunal can then decide whether or not to continue with that interim relief, or to set it aside, or to give you something else, or to amend it. Right. So, I wouldn't say the right of an appeal or the absence of a right of appeal is a is a is a disadvantage because you do have recourse to the main tribunal. Now, as for timing, um, emergency arbitrators, from my experience, tend to come up with their decisions very quickly. Um, the courts in certain jurisdictions are slow. So that could be an advantage of emergency arbitration. I've seen decisions given in as little as two days or even a day, given the uh, depending on the urgency. And uh, I would also say that another advantage of emergency arbitration is the decision makers, right? Arbitrators, in my view, tend to be more pragmatic. They tend to be more familiar with technical issues They tend to be more familiar with the industry. Now, when you apply for an emergency arbitrator, I would think that the institution that you make the application to will often consider the facts of the case and appoint an appropriate arbitrator. If you go to court, well, it's luck of the draw, depending on on which judge is on duty. But in arbitration, often the institutions try and appoint someone who is equipped to deal with the application, who understands the issues and who, who, who maybe is familiar with the industry. So that's an advantage of emergency arbitrator uh, arbitration. You have uh, you could you could get an arbitrator who is more pragmatic, who is more business minded in making his decisions, who is familiar with the industry, and who may be more robust in giving you the interim relief that you require
0: this all sounds very interesting. Say a party has decided to do an emergency arbitrator proceeding, how does it work specifically? How do you get it started?
1: All right, Uh, that's a very important question. Under the SIAC rules, which I'm most familiar with, of course, I'm also familiar with the ICC rules and LCIA rules, but let's, let's look at the SIAC rules as an example. Now, if a party wants to seek emergency relief, They can do so by filing an application before the SIAC, and they can do so concurrent with or following the filing of their notice of arbitration. So that's the first step. You file an application for interim relief before the SIAC. Now, once you file that application, and in that application, you should state the kind of relief you are seeking. Are you seeking a preservation order, a freezing order, for example? Are you seeking uh, injunctive relief, a mariva injunction? So you should mention the kind of relief you are seeking. And you must also explain why you are entitled to that relief and the urgency. Why is it so urgent that you require an emergency arbitrator? Why can't you wait for the tribunal to be constituted? Right. So you file all of this before the SIAC. And of course, most importantly, with the requisite fees, administrative fees, and then The SIAC will begin the process. The registrar will begin the process of appointing an emergency arbitrator. Now, an emergency arbitrator will usually be appointed within one day, very fast, within one day of the receipt of the application. And once the emergency arbitrator is appointed, within two days, at the very most, he will issue a schedule for parties consideration on how he will conduct the hearing for interim relief. Now the schedule must include a reasonable opportunity for parties to be heard. You can conduct the hearing in person, telephone conference, video conference, or it could just be a documents only hearing. Now once the hearing is done, the emergency arbitrator has 14 days to give his, his decision. But I've seen it done in 8 to 10 days. I've even seen it done within two days. So that in a nutshell is a very quick uh, outline of the of the way you apply for interim relief and the procedure and it gives you an idea of of how fast a decision can be obtained before an emergency arbitrator.
0: Thank you very much. I think in this short episode you've really been able to outline the key advantages of the emergency arbitrator proceeding. It's used little to date but who knows, perhaps given the pandemic um, it will gain in popularity. Thank you Amy. Dentons is a global legal practice providing client services worldwide through its member firms and affiliates. This episode is not designed to provide legal or other advice, and you should not take or refrain from taking action based on its content. Please see Dentons.com for legal notices.